Welcome to the Six Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it, saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez. Welcome back to another week of the Six Figure Roadmap, everyone. I'm here with Jules Schroeder. She is an amazing entrepreneur. We're going to be chatting a lot about her journey in entrepreneurship. She's going to give some actionable and insightful information on how you can follow on similar similar footprints and craft your own journey to six figures and beyond. So Jules, welcome to the show. Cam, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here with everyone. Absolutely. So you've done a lot of amazing things over the course of the last couple of years. And a lot of that really comes out of the creativity that you create in your life and everything that you put in front of what business means. Will you kind of talk about like your philosophy of how you do, how that serves you every day? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, definitely been a a journey for sure. You know, I launched my first six figure company at 18, seven figure company at 22, and then had a business partner embezzle a bunch of money, went into a lot of debt at 24, and then kind of stumbled upon this concept of, you know, what does it take to actually have success if I'm not out there driving myself, if I don't have to prove myself, Like I found, even though I had success at an early age, I never could actually experience the joy or this, the felt sense of, yeah, I I made it. It was like, every time I would get close, I would always have a new goal or a new vision of some kind. And it never allowed me to actually receive any of the gifts or even compliments or even people being like, oh, you're so successful. I'd be like, no, I'm not. (laughs) There's like 20 million other things that I have to do first in order to feel that. And so there was this perpetual feeling of of not enoughness. And so I, I started to reflect and ask myself, well, if I started playing by my own game and I wasn't following this conventional perspective that you know, it's this go to school, get good grades, get a good job. A lot of why probably most of us become entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, how do I define the rules of my own game? And if the rules of my own game aren't going to be measured by what, you know, articles am I going to be featured in or which clients am I going to have? Because I I hit a point, it's like no amount of clients, money, or external things would give me that validation, then what were going to be the mile markers? And I stumbled upon this thing uh, really around alignment, and I call it the alignment effect, where I go through this reflective phase and I ask myself, in terms of all the things that we can say yes to, I mean, the amount of entrepreneurs early on that are like, I'm so overscheduled, I don't have enough time. What are really those 10 out of 10 yeses? I call them those embodied yeses or like the hell yeses, or I don't know if I can swear on the podcast, but like the fuck yes of things. Like what does it really take to feel those? And so I had this hypothesis for myself that if I only said yes to the things that were those real hell yeses, what would my life be like? And we all can relate to this. It's like we get this invitation to go on a trip or, you know, to join a a business venture or whatever it is. And you don't even think about it. Sometimes you're so compelled to just want to take part in that. And then there are those times where we get invitations and we pause and we're like, well, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should go to that networking event. Maybe I should send that email and it becomes more obligatory And so I found that by really saying no to those things that weren't these 10 out of 10 yeses, my life started giving me more invitations that were more aligned. And it was actually like going to the gym, a progress and a process of working a muscle. 
And so since doing that, it's one thing to have an awareness to be like, well, it doesn't feel like a yes, but maybe I'll make money from it. So I'll do it anyways. And another thing to get that awareness and then put it into action and be like, you know what? I'm not going to do that this time. And then I'm going to see what shows up. And I find 10 out of 10 alignment that feels that way usually for me results in a 10 out of 10 outcome. And when I look at my life and where I spend my time, I'll even often every quarter rank my life on a one to 10 scale. What are all the things that I'm doing in my life? And then after I brain dump it from emails to calls to workout routines to whatever, giving it a number. And I find most of the time we spend our life our medium average is at a six or a seven, even though we live this life of creating what we want and doing it by our own design or whatever it might be, being an entrepreneur. And if you really tell the truth to yourself, where you put your time is actually where your energy sinks up. And I think that's also the types of opportunities and results that you get. And so in my opinion, the shortcut is really finding that alignment effect and really getting related to where your time goes and are it these 10 out of 10s? And can you sync up that action with that? And from there, I find that's where these you know, synchronicities or miracles or these windfalls that you don't expect, they become more common and frequent and you actually start to become the source of them. I love that philosophy saying yes to the things that actually light you up instead of going, you know, with the flow of the cash flow or, you know, what seems to be right in your business right now, but actually feeling and getting super intentional with, you know, does that draw energy from you or does it take away? And it's, you know, one of the most important things that we can ever discuss on the show because, you know, so often that the, when people come on here and they provide actionable and insightful information, it's how to get to the certain outcome, but they never talk about all the things that, you know, you could possibly face. What were some of those unexpected things that you think you have experienced in your, your journey of entrepreneurship that you would advise other people to avoid or look out for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, um, you know, is that I was always so calculated and I was so focused on what's my goal, what's my vision, what am I working towards? I mean, there's infinite ways we can schedule and plan and prep and things like that. And what I missed out by proxy of, proxy of doing that was present moment, like feeling and present moment experience. And, and what I mean by that is we're always getting data. We're getting data in our business. We're getting feedback from our clients. We're getting feedback from our friends, from our family, what we should do, what we shouldn't do all the time. And oftentimes when we're getting so much data and if we're just literally have our head down blinders on, we're so inside our business that we can't actually be on top of it. And when I look at how I live my life now and in the businesses and how I weave art and music and to these unconventional life events and all this stuff, it's such a, the, the pillar of it is on present moment awareness and having space to actually have feedback, receive feedback and integrate that feedback. And oftentimes I'll find like I have an idea of, you know, what something can happen. For example, I'm like, all right, cool. Um, we've got our unconventional life event coming up in Madagascar, 44 people on an island in December. I'm like, all right, I got to hit, you know, 60K in revenue by this day. And like, it's a goal. But sometimes I'll get so focused on that goal that I can miss out on, wow, here's this awesome person I met. And if I just went out and had coffee with them, cool, they've got a huge email list of people. Man, that 60K could actually just be handled in two emails rather than being so sure that my process and the goal that I've mapped for myself is the only way to accomplish that outcome. And so I see so many people, including myself, we get so attached to the outcome and the way it's supposed to show up rather than being committed to what's like the desire 
that has you have that goal in the first place, keep that desire, keep that intention, but release the attachment of how it can show up. And I find oftentimes I'll be surprised over and over again. And for me, it's allowed me to, you know, make pivots in my business a lot faster, let go of people faster, move in, move on new ideas that have capitalized on trends faster. And overall, it just it keeps more aliveness. Like things stop becoming so routine. Like even as an entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like a job and it's felt like a job for me at times. And so that for me keeps the, you know, the freshness and the uh, momentum going. Beautiful. Beautiful. You talk about creativity in business. What, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? So I think art is something we all possess. In my opinion, I feel many of us, including myself as entrepreneurs, we have this channel, if you will, that links up all of our gifts and our you know, creative capacities. For me, creativity in business is the ability to bring all parts of your self-expression, whether you know, for me, it's music. I also love yoga. I love CrossFit. I love dance. How can I use all of these pieces and actually use them as fuel into what I'm doing in business? And that doesn't mean I'm literally, you know, singing while writing a sales letter while, you know, dancing at the same time, though it could, but it means that there's actually, I create a home, you know, my business becomes a home for all the parts of myself rather than I'm compartmentalizing mentalizing, hey, in, in this segment, you know, I know I like music, but I can't sing because I need to do X, Y, and Z. Or in this segment, I know I've got that other hobby, but that's going to have to go on the back burner for three months because, you know, I've got this launch. I actually believe when all parts of our self-expression, our creativity are expressed, it actually, um, all the parts equal a greater whole. And so uh, in my opinion, I find it becomes uh, much better for the end game. Love that concept. How, how do you so you, you, you say you're not like actively singing or dancing when writing emails and stuff. What, what does that look like when you are in your creative zone? How do you create that space or the, the home? So you call it to bring that creative and, you know, show implement hobbies into your business. Yeah. So I love this question. So for me, it's a function of going all in. I really believe like going all in, on what I'm doing all the time that I'm doing it, even if all in looks different at different moments. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, there's nothing worse than like, you know, especially if you're on a vacation and then you're thinking about your business. And even though you're on this beautiful island or wherever it might be, you're like, oh, I keep thinking about these 10 things. And you're not really present to the business and you're also not really present to the vacation. And so when it comes to that, like how it might look like is I'll wake up in the morning, have my chai or whatever it might be. And then I'll feel moved to you know, do some songwriting on the piano for a little bit. And I'll be so immersed in that flow. And then simultaneously that can be complete. And then it's like, what else wants to arise? Okay, got it. I've got calls set up. Like, let me go into that. Or I've got podcast interviews set up. Let me go into that. So it's intentionally scheduled space, but that also can be fluid to really make sure that each part of the things that I like, I call it your lanes, each lane has attention. And I was, you know, working with a client of mine who had this eight figure government contracting company and decided she wanted to go into music and also not only go into music, but start a different type of more alignment based business. And when she got clear that the lanes or the areas for creativity or self-expression that were important to be represented, one was songwriting and vocal training. The other was community building and live events. And the other was activism. She just focused on those three lanes and let the, the tasks she was doing change on the day to day. And so for example, like some of it's like 
you know, having conversations with government people. Some of it's registering people in her event. And then some of it is her just, you know, doing actually vocal training. And so if I could offer something, it would be look at the things that light you up, the things that, you know, create creativity or generate creativity and get clear on the lanes and then have scheduled time to be all in on each one of those lanes. And they do over time, in my opinion, make a really fluid dance and it becomes a lot more natural and, you know, a lot less scheduled as you kind of weave with it a bit. You created what you call unconventional life. That is your business and what your business is centered around. What has that like created for people and why is what you've created so important for entrepreneurs? I think at the heart of it, it's permission. You know, when I graduated college in 2011, there weren't conversations about six-figure roadmaps to entrepreneurship. Like, there was not many conversations, frankly, around entrepreneurship. It was, I remember my dad was a Wall Street accountant and I, you know, spent so many hours fighting with him on why entrepreneurship for myself could be a viable career. And so I really had a desire to tell stories. And I believe that when we get to see embodied examples, people that you interview on the show or people you come into contact with that are actually doing and living what we want, our belief of what's possible magnifies because we actually can see it. We can point to it. And it's so hard to conceptualize what is beyond something if there isn't an example of it. And so I said, well, if I could just tell stories of people all around the world that were following a different path, that were doing things differently, now it's like the unconventional life. Okay, we get that. <laughs> In 2016, when I started it and started writing for Forbes and started the podcast, it was, it was not quite that. It was like having to explain to people what this unconventional thing meant. Um, I found that through these stories, it's just evoked so much permission, not only for other people, but for myself. And I would have never imagined like we would be reaching like millions of people through the articles and through the podcast and over 75 different countries. And I found that conversation details differ from person to location, but the essence of what we want collectively, we're waking up. We want more there's a feeling inside of you that says, yeah, I want more. It's real. And there's more to do and there's more to uncover. And I think more to serve. And so for me, unconventional life's been the vehicle that I get to do that. And ultimately permission per my mission for myself. I believe that when we each invoke that in ourselves and our own vulnerability, we create that around us. And ultimately it has the collective good, you know, it becomes a life more, more living and a life that's more interesting in my opinion. Yeah. I love that. You know, you, that, really just did bring up a thought in my head, like even with the world being a kind of an unlimited resource of information, frameworks are still very hard to come by. Or if they, if they are created, you have to pay for them to exist in your life. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, it really is so powerful and a new reason to why I feel that, you know, this podcast and other things that I create and, and for you guys, things that you create should be to provide just a resource and a framework for people to gain that information and get to a place to where they can start creating their own stuff. Love that. Yeah. Talk to me about this retreat going on in Madagascar. First question (laughs) is why did retreats become a part of your business model? Like why, why is that so important to you? Yeah, they were never a part of my business model. It kind of just happened (laughs) in the sense that uh, really this whole company got birthed out of a near-death experience I had five years ago, a wakeboarding accident and full on like saw this, came out of the MRI in the hospital, had this white figure, six black shadow council member approach me in conversation of, 
Jules, you have more work to do in the world. Do you want to do it? And they thought my neck was broken. They thought I might be paralyzed. And I just said, yes, as long as I don't come back as a vegetable. And then in that next moment was zapped back into my body. felt this energy forge my neck back together, shoot down my spine. And the moment that I woke up, this was in 2015, it was like everything shifted. It was like my life before being driven by me and my life since coming through. And flash forward, I get invited to the UN. I get invited to start writing for Forbes. Like all this stuff starts unfolding. And eight months in um, after this accident, I had this dream and literally saw 30 people gathering. And the first words out of my mouth were Bali. And I woke up next to my then boyfriend and I turned over and I was like, I don't know what to tell you about what just happened, but like I saw people and I saw these things and I was running this digital marketing agency at the time was how I was making my money while telling these stories and writing for Forbes and all these other things. And it was nagging at me. And I think we can relate to this, the times where we get this insight in the shower or when we're driving to work or whatever it might be, where you're like me, you want me to do what? I was like, I don't like retreats. I have no interest in going into retreats. I don't have a desire to go into retreats, but it was so real and it wouldn't go away. And so I decided to call up a friend of mine, rally a team. And in seven weeks, we sold out our first event in Bali to a group of 30 people. And it was in that moment on day five, coming back to our conversation earlier, where it was the first time in my life where I felt that sense of home, where I got to bring all of my gifts from business to nerding out on tech to... Uh, yoga to being in a beautiful place, travel, and basically said, I don't know when we'll do this again or how much, but if you guys want to do this, give me a deposit. And people started just handing me money. And I was like, crap, I don't even know how to take payment. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know when we're going to do an event. And so I followed the natural momentum. And I think this is important. There's always natural momentum moving around you all the time. And oftentimes we can't be attuned. We're not often attuned to it because we're so busy or there's so much noise. And so flash forward that set a snowball and we've done these the last four or five years, been ranked top event for entrepreneurs to attend. And I feel like retreats came, it was an ask. It was like, Jules, will you do this for us? <laughs> um, rather than me being like, yes, this is going to be a part of my model. But what I do think why it stayed a part of my model is I think there's something that happens in person that can't happen behind the screen, even people listening to this podcast. There's something that happens when we come together in physical form. We just shortcut. Yeah, you can do this stuff or learn on your own. But coming back to seeing embodied examples, when you see people doing what you want to do or you can have that conversation while lemur hunting, for example, in Madagascar or helicoptering in on a four-seater plane to this like private island, like it literally creates a pattern interrupt that takes you away from your environment away from your set presets, away from what's comfortable and actually creates an opening for things to really shift. Or if you feel like a state of fog for things to become more clear. And so every time I say yes, it up levels me massively. It, it up levels, you know, the community massively. We've had so many people, 70% of people come back event after event. And uh, it's definitely been something I would have never thought I was going to do, but something that I'm so glad I get the privilege to keep doing. I love that. What is, what is some work that you do in your life to maintain your energy and have the outlook on life that you do, despite the experience that you had with your wakeboarding accident, which kind of, you know, naturally shot you into a, um, I guess, into a path where you started to work on yourself mentally, spiritually, you know, emotionally. What is some stuff that you continue to do to this day that brings that to your, to your life? Yeah, I like how you phrase it. It's a continual commitment. 
It's not something that you won and done and you transcend and you're like, look from the mountain peak and you're like, Hey guys, <laughs> I made it. See you later for a few years. I mean, you can do that. It is a choice. And I believe that it's a constant willing to be curious and to look, you know, sometimes I, if I look back on phases in my life, we can be so sure that we know something. We're so sure that he wronged me. We're so sure that she reacted to me in this way. We're so sure that it's their fault. And we create these judgments and we create these stories about life or about ourselves. Like, wow, I went after something and I didn't get the results I wanted to launch. Okay, I should never launch again. Or wow, I really went for it on a Facebook Live and no one commented, damn, I should never open my mouth again. And when you're willing to kind of engage with the sureness of something and actually be curious and be like, well, what, what really is there for me to get? I find that continual reflective period, in my opinion, is where growth really lies. And I also think in terms of what we're being asked as leaders is more of this embodied collaborative leadership. No one wants to hear someone preach from the mountaintops anymore. They want to learn from people like on your show that are actively doing it, that are walking their talk, that are in real life, in real time, doing the things that they're saying. We want congruency. And, and I find the only way to have congruency is to continuously be reflecting. I like to surround myself with people who trigger me <laughs> and, and can show me pieces of myself that I can't see. You know, oftentimes when we're triggered, it's because someone's illuminating a blind spot. And if we point the finger away from them and back at ourselves, we can learn and we can also heal whatever that trigger is. You know, whether it was, you know, from way back in three years old or 10 years old or in high school, or maybe for something that happened recently, you know, we went for something and it didn't work out how we wanted it to. And so that continual process of reflection, I think is something that I do. Uh, I also am a big Epsom salt bather. <laughs> I love getting outside, just going in nature, taking walks. I'm really mindful about how I eat. Like I'm gluten-free, dairy-free. I've been that way for the last eight years before it was cool. <laughs> and like, I've just found that when I set my physical body up for success, it sets my emotional body up for success, which ultimately gives me the resourcing to do this. Because if you're not resourced at the end of the day, I don't care how enlightened or how <laughs> you know successful you are, being resourced for yourself makes or breaks anything. When you're resourced and someone walks up to you on the street and they're like, dude, screw you, you'll probably smile back at them. If you're having a crappy day, you'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> and like, want to fight them. And like resourcing makes, makes a difference. And so I think it's really important to understand your map of what resourcing looks like for you. And I know mine and we're all different and how it looks and to really stick to it. Just like we invest in our business, just like we invest in our growth, just like we invest in a podcast, it's the same thing for ourselves. What are some non-negotiable habits you implement every day? Non-negotiables are food. Um, I, I like clean food is so important. Just the fact that it's fresh, that it nourishes my body. When I'm not eating clean food, I don't have as much brain pattern. I don't have as much energy. I just feel shittier. Clean food, definitely non-negotiable. Moving my body every day. I love CrossFit. I also love yoga. So that's another really big one. And getting outside. Um, if I need to either have tons of natural light or I need to at least be able to be outside and like breathe in the air. I live in the mountains of Colorado, so I'm blessed on that regard. Um, but even just having light and breath make the world of a difference in terms of what sets me up. What do you spend your time and money on outside of business? 
I would say at this current phase, music development. I just uh, came back from Canada and recorded another 11-song album and was given a grant to do a big project up there. And so I've been doubling down on my artistry. Uh, I also just bought a house that's going to become a retreat center and a space for arts, activism, and, and leadership to emerge next year, doing a bunch of like transformational festivals. And so I would say art, artistic development's got my, my interest right now. Beautiful. What are, where do you get your information? Where do you like to learn? Who do you like to learn from? Mm. As this may sound, I really listen for me to God a lot. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that can inspire you. I think there's a lot of inspiring people. For me, after I had that near-death experience, after feeling what was on the other side, it became so clear that it was God for me. And I relate to God as love. It doesn't necessarily have to just be, you know, in terms of religious structure. But I would say listening to God and tuning in is probably my biggest source of inspiration. And then when I'm connected there, I find it allows me to tune into everyone else around me in such a greater capacity. Do you have any parting words of advice for the people listening uh, while they're on their journey to reaching their goals in their business? Yeah, my parting advice would be that to just enjoy it, that you are absolutely enough as you are, that you're on the path, that everything you're working towards is already on its way to you, that all of the goals that you want to see happen and actualize have already happened. You're just in the process of remembering the process you took to get there and uh, to really just breathe and relax a little bit in the sense of don't not hustle, don't not push the pedal down, don't not get after it, don't not be on the offense, but really just appreciate where you're at and uh, it's all, it's all in order for you. Amazing. Amazing guys. Jules, where can people go to join your community, learn more from you and hopefully attend one of your retreats? Yeah. Well, chances are, if you're listening to this, you like podcasts. So we've got over 200 episodes or so. If you search Unconventional Life on iTunes, you can tune in the podcast and listen to all of that there. If you really want to take your business to the next level, we do these five-day life and business accelerators from people all over the world, really living this unconventional perspective to life and business. Um, our next event's in Madagascar, December 1st through the 5th unconventionallifeshow.com slash Madagascar. We've also got one coming up in 2020 in Chile for the eclipse, um, Chile-Patagonia border. So you can check out unconventionallifeshow.com. And if you like music and these types of inspirational things, but in art form, uh, julesschroeder.com, you can check out some of my stuff there. Awesome, guys. I will link directly to that in the show notes and on this episode. Jules, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks so much, Cam. Thanks so much, everyone. Cheers, everyone. You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it. 